even after my car accident, when I was trying to figure out, okay, now where will I go and now what will I do? I start believing in myself in my lowest place and I bounce back. Can't show any sign of fatigue. Welcome to this episode of Adler.tv, where every Thursday you can find a new episode and a new guest in a new location. My guest this week is Timothy Alexander. 13 years ago, Timothy was in a major car accident that paralyzed him from the neck down. But if you ask him today, Timothy will tell you that he's only paralyzed for now. His social media isn't the kind of social media that you look at and you say, oh, I wish I had that car or I wish I went on that trip. His social media is the kind of social media that makes you want to go out and do good things for other people and better yourself in the process. So on Valentine's Day, Tim and I met at the Lakeshore Foundation campus in Birmingham, Alabama. My life is kind of busy, man. <laughs> I can't thank you enough, man, for sitting down with me. Ladies and gentlemen, Timothy Alexander. Yes, sir. No worries, man. Sorry I got a hood on. Oh, uh, that's great. We just, you know we just got done swimming and boxing and running, so I don't want to get a head cold because I got to make a difference and I don't have time to get sick. <laughs> hey, man, that's uh, no problem at all, man. I'm I'm wearing, I think I wore these jeans yesterday, so we're, we're good, man. It's we're good. good. I think Bill Gates wore the same shirt every day, so. There you go. That's right. right. That's right. right. If you want to tell people a little bit about it, man, I read your book and it is uh, it is amazing. Your book came through the halls at the Rick and Bubba show where I work. And I was like, man, I got to check that out. Read a few pages. and I'm like, man, I got to talk to this guy. So what's the story of, of how you you got to where you are today, man? Um, I believe that my story is basically just replacing entitlement with resiliency, because sometimes we feel like we're entitled to success that we're entitled for things to go our way. And, you know, I never had anything to be entitled to. I didn't grow up with a father at home. And so my mom always taught, if you want something, you got to work for it. And so working for something that I wanted, it showed up in a very, very different scene or scenario. Um, on October 28, 2006, I was in a horrific car accident that left me paralyzed from the neck down, brain dead. I lost the ability to read, write, twist, and talk. I went from being the talk of the town because I was a star athlete to being the talk of the town because doctors were saying that I would never walk or talk again. You got to understand that at this time, I'm a senior in high school, one of the top athletes in the state of Alabama, one of the top athletes in the country with an opportunity to go play anywhere I wanted to go. And on the next day, after I had the leading block to help send my team to the playoffs, I found myself in a body I don't know. Um, having someone to dress me, waking up out of a coma to my mom saying, Tim, Tim, I don't want you to die. Blink your eyes if you can hear me. And so I blinked my eyes and my mom said, you're going to live and not die. And you're going to proclaim the works of the Lord and do some great things. And I'm not a religious guy. I'm a faith-driven young man. And my mom knew that that wasn't going to be the end of my story. And because my mom believed in me in my lowest place, I start believing in myself in my lowest place, and I bounced back. I not only went on to graduate from Wallace State Community College on the dean's list after I, after recovering from a traumatic brain injury, being brain dead and paralyzed from the neck down and went to waist below, um, but I went on to graduate from UAB and receive a master's degree 
And while at UAB, I became the first paraplegic in D1 history to ever receive a full ride in football, and I never touched the field. I'm not where I am because of entitlement. I am where I am because of hard work. And I've worked my butt off, not just during the day when the sun was up, but working my butt off when the sun goes down. I'm still recovering 13 years later. I'm still recovering from a traumatic brain injury, but I still do mental training on my own self, as you saw today. Um, I counsel my own self. I do things for my mind because we focus on so much below the neck that we forget about our mind. Now I get an opportunity to work with UAB football and many other schools across the nations. So I get to just share my story of we don't need it to be easy. We just need it to be possible. been in the chair for 13 years, they call my body the chair position. So I try to work on my standing. A lot of people would take those events that happened to them, because man, I mean, I'm reading your book and I'm like, it's one thing after another. It's just a, it's, it's one punch after another, left hook, right hook, uppercut. And I'm like, man, this guy can't catch a break. And a lot of people would use that as an opportunity to not try. Right. They'd use it as an opportunity to say, well, I guess, I guess, I guess this is my, this right. is my lot in life. The easy way out. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to push. I'm not going to continue to go towards the goals that I had before this accident happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really admire that, man. It's, yes, it's amazing. Well, I think that that had everything to do with my journey, with my healing and becoming whole, because I wrote a lot of things down. And I just shared this today. Even though I did fail, even though I did have some failure in my life, because I set my priorities, I still succeeded. Because I wrote down my vision and made it plain, because I kept up with my goals. And the thing about goals and writing down your vision, those are two different things. Your, your vision is what you want to do. Your goals are what you're going to do. And even after my car accident, when I was trying to figure out, okay, now where will I go and now what will I do? I was reminded, go back to your drawing board. Go back to the visions and the dreams that you wrote down about playing football. Let's, let's, let's revise that. Let's, let's redefine how you're going to play football now. You wrote about being a motivational or inspirational speaker because you knew that because I made it through this, I can help someone make it through any situation. I can Because of what I've been through and what I've seen and where I'm going, I feel like I can help anyone maximize their full potential. Albert Einstein said the greatest research in life is life experience. Well, my research is my story, and it's still my research because I'm I'm living out my story every single day. And it's not easy, but it's possible. But that's why I hold on to my visions. I hold on to my dreams. I hold on to my goals. That way, whenever I feel like my mind is playing tricks on me or I don't feel like I can't go anymore, I got to look back and see where I've been, where I've gone, and where I'm going. So I'm not able to stand yet but I do all my stretches and it does hurt trying to go from body being like this to getting the body like this, but it's worth it. It's always worth it at the end. So when I got my shirt off this summer, it was all worth it all winter. <laughs> That's so good, man.
you're very honest about the fact that we can be negative on ourselves yeah and we can be positive on ourselves yeah and also the people around you that negativity is contagious so right be sure that you're surrounding yourself not only talking to yourself in that positive way but surrounding yourself with people that talk yeah. to you and have that same positive outlook right yeah i just believe that we shouldn't have to look far for inspiration we shouldn't have to look far for mentorship it should be right around us but i do also understand that if if five of my friends are negative, I'm the sixth one. <laughs> if five of my friends are broken down and disgusted and mentally drained and out of their mind, then I'm the next one. And so I am a product of my environment. We are products of our environment. And when you come around me, if you're negative, you're not going to last long around me because I'm transparent. I'm going to address the issue, but it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the potential. And because I guard my energy and my enthusiasm, I just can't let somebody be, I can't let somebody suck the wind out of me by being negative. We got a lot of, we got a lot of vampires in this world that's sucking the life out of everybody. And true enough, sometimes we become our own problem, which we become our own vampire to ourselves. Well, we suck the wind out of ourselves. But I just try to just always express gratitude and just be positive. Because it doesn't cost you anything to be positive. It costs you everything to be negative. You, when you're negative, oh, it costs you way more than it does for you being positive. So I choose, and I'm consistently choosing just to always be positive. And again, it's easier said than done. I'm no Batman. I'm no Superman. But I do practice positivity every single day. And practice makes improvement. When I had my car accident, I was in a very, very bad, depressed and suicidal place where I used to stare at my body a lot. I didn't really understand the body that I was in, but when I would go to church, I would hear different verses that just meant so much to me and just changed my life at New Birth Family Church. And sometimes we get a lot of pointless tattoos. Everything on me, it means something. And whenever I'm having a bad day and I'm struggling with identity, so I just look down. The Lord knows, faith, hope, perseverance. I got my mother's name tattooed on me that she was like my angel. Got my brother tattooed on me. He was my brother who saved my life in a house fire. Got these diamonds because it takes pressure to make a diamond. John 3.16, I am what God says I am. I know that there are a lot of people that struggle with depression, uh, anxiety, but those problems are going to get worse right. if you're not actively trying to steer your mind the other way. The other because way. you, I, I kind of look at it for me sometimes, I'm on like a, some train tracks. There's a whole bunch of train tracks and some of the train tracks are good and nice and smooth and positive. Yeah. And some of those train tracks are bumpy. I'll think about mistakes I made. 10, 20 years ago all right. the time and just like right. beating myself up over right. that stuff. And it's like, you know what? I'm on a train track that's a bumpy one that's just hurting myself. Right. Just jump back over to that other track. Right. And I have to do that kind of stuff quite a bit from, you know, but that's that, that to me is just, it's just being responsible with your brain. Yeah, you have to own up. And I, did, I have a lot of friends that do deal with depression and anxiety and they say, Tim, you're so mentally conditioned. It's because I choose to be. 
at any given moment, if I rest in my mind, I can easily go back down the path of depression and suicide. I've been in a wheelchair now for 13 years, and I tell people I'm still not comfortable. I've met people that been in chairs 35, 20, 50, and they're comfortable. I'm not comfortable. Um, and that's just how I live my life. But I do know that I have to be the master of my faith, but that starts first in the mind. And so we can transform anything and everything around us, but we first must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that is a choice. So the person that's depressed or suicidal, they can be getting all the help in the world. But as we've all heard that I can't help you until you help yourself. So do you want to just be a person that's getting all this information? It's like the people that have, they got a bookshelf at their home and they have all these books that are not adding value to their life. They're just on the shelf. So yeah, you got a shelf full of books, but they're not helping you develop. So I work so hard on, on mental conditioning on a sunny day. Mm. But again, Chris, that's a choice I make. So I choose to work on my mind every single day. And I challenge those around me too, but I don't make anyone do anything because I can't spend my time beating over your head. Just, just start with the mind. Start with the mind. Start with the mind. Do you think that um, because you are in a place where your body is, is not responding in the way that you're used to it, that you, you had to focus so much on that yep. mind power? Yeah, I remember when the doctor told me I have a 5% chance of walking again. And, and I started saying, you know, who told you that? <laughs> who told you I'd never walk again? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I understand you're doing your job, but I'm going to agree to disagree. And so I remember just staring at my feet, staring at it. Because they said the mind is the most powerful thing that we control everything in our mind. So I would stare at my toe until it would start moving. And once it would move, I'd be like, whoa. So I just kept on going. But I do those mental tests every day. And it's kind of like they say the person who's blind, they have stronger, they, they, they pick up different senses. Their other senses, senses pick up. Well, because I'm paralyzed, my other senses work for me, temporarily paralyzed. But my mind is the most powerful tool that I have. So I may not have my legs. I may not be able to run up and down or do what I want to do physically, but mentally I am. Mentally, I tell people, sometimes I only see myself in a wheelchair when I'm going by a mirror. But that's just how I choose to look at my life. I kind of wait till my body can't go anymore, and then I try to push mentally. That's the kind. got an opportunity to speak to the Alabama Association of Judicial Assistants today. And it was just amazing to, to, to speak in front of the judges and those that assist the judges. And that was different for me because I remember speaking in front of a judge because I was finna get sent to juvenile. And they, was gonna ask, and they were asking me, what is it that you can tell us so that we don't send you down the road? Which that didn't work. I still end up going to juvenile and being on house arrest. But I found myself today in 2019 giving motivation and inspiration to the judicial assistants and just shedding light to our chief of justice for the Supreme Court. Like, I used to be a criminal. <laughs> yeah, now man. I'm inspiring the world. 
Yeah, man. like that's a story that greatness can be birthed through failure, but that's a choice that we choose to make. And so my message was, I'm thankful for that judge. I'm thankful for that assistant. I'm thankful for that correction officer. I'm thankful for that probation officer. I'm thankful for that parole officer. I'm thanking for that, uh, the, the, the drug court lady, the drug court gentleman that just took some time to just ask me one question is, why are you doing this? And so that kind of made me put things in the center of my mind like, man, why am I doing this? And I was doing it because everybody else was doing it. My mom used to say this quote that I hate it. That if you do what everybody else do, you're going to get what everybody else get. And so when I found myself behind bars, I'm like, if you do what everyone else is doing, you're going to get what everyone else get. So I love my friends and, you know, a lot of I, I, I had a lot of and it's nothing on my friend, but I was I was with the wrong crowd. But I changed my crowd. And now with the right crowd. And do I still talk to some of my friends that have been incarcerated, that have gangbanged? Absolutely. I love them to this day. I still talk to them because I got with them and they changed their crowd. And we've seen that it's not about where we've been. It's about where we're going and what we do when we get there. So today was just mind blowing that I can go from being in a courtroom where I'm finna go get sent off to do some time. But now I'm in a courtroom empowering the decision makers. You do a great job of of speaking to all people and meeting them where they're at. Right. That's what we have to do. I'm a a music minister's kid. So I grew up in the church. I was at church seven days a week. Yeah, me too. And it was, uh, and it's easy to get, you know, a little bit burnt out on that kind of thing, you know, because you get sick of hearing from an old book, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) But there's so much good stuff in there. And I think that you do a great job of putting a lot of that stuff out, but not necessarily maybe putting the verse underneath it because you know that, if there's a verse underneath it, there are some people that are going to shut that door. They shut it down quick. Yeah, yeah. As I tell people, man, I don't have a heaven or hell to put nobody in. If you don't believe in it, that's you. You know, different strokes for different folks. Some like Pepsi, some like Coke. <laughs> um, I like lemon water, actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. lime. But, however, I believe what I believe. And I just, my number one mission is to solve problems and serve people. So whatever that looks like, I will. But you will know a tree by the fruit that it bears. You know a good fruit tree when you see it. So I just try to be a good tree just that adds value to everyone because that's what really gives me my peace um, and fuels my fire because tomorrow's not promised. My wife literally just texted me, the dogs probably need a Valentine's Day present. Really? So I guess that means I'm coming home with a Valentine's Day present right. for my stinking dogs, For the man. dogs. <laughs> you, got a, uh, you got any Valentine's tips for me, man? Flowers always do the trick, man. So my plan is, so we went to a concert last night, and my plan is on the way home, I'm going to pick up some flowers, pick up some food, make her dinner. Or what chocolate. you should do, 
you you gonna make or you can go to uh Whole Foods and pick out go. dinner, then just put it on the plate and <laughs> working smart, not hard. <laughs> that's right, that's right, man. Let's talk about uh UAB. Mm-hmm. Bill Clark mm-hmm. comes in. Yes, sir. Uh his it's his first year coaching. Yes, sir. And all of a sudden, the Blazers are a very good football team. Great man, bowl eligible. Mm-hmm. And then, what what happened? What happened? They ended our football program, man. It was just a huge rival, going way back in the day between Gene Bartow and Bear Bryant Jr. And so, just making long story short, they shut our program down, and then said it it was because of lack of funding. And which you got to understand, UAB is the number one employer in the state one of the top five debt-free universities in the world. So he's like, man, that is not the case. You got one of the top medical institutions in the world, state-of-the-art. So this is not okay. Um, and so they ended our program, man, and I would just never forget them. That was a tough time to be a Blazer. I saw all my teammates broken and just they felt so bad because nobody could believe, like, man, how is this happening to us? You know what I'm saying? Um, but thank God we fought and we rallied. I was able to receive like 56 city proclamations. And within six months, we brought UAB football back and we raised $48 million in six months. So thankful to Justin Kraft, Tommy Brigham, Nowland Associates. Um, just, it was Kraft O'Neill, Jimmy Lee, uh, Buffalo Rock Company. It, it was just, it was awesome. Awesome. I I was thinking that man, there's no way. There's yeah. no way it's coming. And when back. I say awesome, it's because it showed us that your labor would not be in vain. And we worked our butt off. The students got behind it. We created something called FUSO, which was the free UAB student organization. We taught them how to lobby. We taught them how to give political messages. It was just a great time just getting the community behind something that we love. Just reminding them we can't let all these memories die. We can't let what others have worked so hard for just go down the drain. So not only did they end UAB football, but they ended bowling and rifle. And so there were times people would say, you know, why don't you just talk about football? Because it's not. it was not just about football. You, they shut down bowling and rifle too. Those girls had scholarships too, and now they're taken away. And that wasn't right. Right is right and wrong is wrong. And so everybody thought that I was – you know, with lobbying and fighting that, oh, you're coming hard at President Watts. No, it was nothing. I I didn't know Dr. Watts, but I knew he made the decision. So it was their energy was not pointed toward Dr. Watt. It was just behind those who made the decision. Yeah. You was the set man to make the decision. So sorry. But we got to come at you for making that decision. But to this day, I have a great relationship with Dr. Watts. Um, thankful for what he's done and doing for our institution. And we've got Mark Ingram, our AD, um, turning some things around. But Coach Clark, man, I love Coach Clark. Great guy. Gave me an opportunity. Turned our program around. He loves us. Uh, we are a championship team now, championship program. We've never been a championship program. And to, to have done what we've done in two years, it was all resiliency, no entitlement. We, we, I just filmed you work out like an absolute beast, by the way. Pool, <laughs> boxing, uh, pedal bike, all kinds of stuff. and Spin. You, you spin bike, that's yeah. right. And you kept saying to me, man, are you, are you cool? Are you, are you sure? You, you know, you're, you're just so gracious. You're like, man, are you sure you got time? I, I'm, I'm going to try to get this workout in, in here and there. But, man, the thing is, 
to be in a place like this, there are so many worse places I could be, so many other terrible yeah. things I could be doing. Yeah. And we all make that choice every single day. And to to leave that choice open right. and to, to have that choice available for some of these people that don't have whole, a whole lot of choices, a whole right. lot of options in their right. lives, that, that that just adds to the importance of this UAB football right. program. Right, and that's what it was. And like, so people said, you know, what did you all do when you didn't have that option of playing on Saturdays? Believe it or not, I started a powder puff league, and for I got I found our calendar for 2015. Every Saturday when we were supposed to have a home game, we threw a powder puff game. And the other guys that did not transition to other universities, I let them coach the powder puff league, and that kept us for a year. Um, they kept us in tune and engaged. And so when we had away games. We found something else to do. But what I do like about when they brought our program back that every, for two years straight, we, we scrimmaged against each other. And our fans showed up to our spring game. They showed up to some of our, to our, some of our open practices. And for two years, we were playing against the same person. And so we had, some had options to, you know, quit, but we took away the option of saying, Oh, we're going to get tired of this. And we said, we're just going to build for a championship for two years. And in two years, it's crazy. We didn't have a program for two years, but within two years, it came back, we won the championship. So we were shut down from 15 to 17. But when we came back in 17, the 17, 18 season bowl eligible and 18, 19 season championship. As we look towards next the next phase for UAB, mm-hmm. uh, how 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 huge is that to have that that new building come in? Um, I, it, it turns out you guys don't even need that motivation, but it's there. It's coming. Yeah, it's, it's there now. It's great. We'll have our new facility in 2021, our new um, new stadium, right around when the World Games is coming. So it, it's a great day to be a Blazer. You all stayed at it. You know, you stayed working. Yeah. Every, every day you got to work hard, man. Yes, like sir. A lot of people – you know, there are no shortcuts. None. There really aren't. Some people have a shorter road right. to run, like, you know, maybe you have natural abilities like LeBron James right. or Beyonce. Right. But believe that LeBron James and Beyonce work hard. They work hard. Every day. Every day. Everybody, I tell people, yeah, everybody sees the three points, all the threes Steph Curry make, but they don't see the hundreds of threes he misses in practice. You know, yeah, LeBron and MJ or whoever you want to talk about, yeah, they were hell of athlete, hell of athletes, but they were great workers. Muhammad Ali said, man, every day, he said, every day I hated training, but I said I'd rather suffer now so I can live the rest of my life as a champion. What you saw today, nobody's pushing me to work out. I don't have a trainer. I don't spend my money on a trainer. I'm my own trainer because when you have a vision, that you truly care about, you don't have to be pushed. Your vision will pull you. So when Coach Clark says, turn that off, we don't have to have no music to get our guys ready to go knock the wind out of somebody. They ready when they get off the, off the bus. They ready when they wake up. And you got to be in constant pursuit. And if you don't know what a constant pursuit is, you go run every red light and you don't stop. I guarantee you that police, that police, they ain't going to stop till they get you. That's how you have to be about your dreams. That even if the tires come off the car, I'm still going to try to get there. 
that's how I attack every day. You got to attack it and you got to apply pressure to your day. And at the end, you will make a diamond. So when I lay my head down every night, I sleep great. This is a win. I may have took some L's. And I'm not saying the L's that I lost because L's to me represent learning moments. I didn't lose. I just found a new way to learn. There's no physical limit to human achievement. Coach David Reeves, uh, our linebacker coach, former defensive coordinator, he said that great is the valley full of bones that those upon the brink of victory, they rest. So these bones are laying dried up in this valley because just on the, the, the break of victory, they laid down the rest. After this year, we're going to try to do it all over again because sometimes we got to be like that Energizer Bunny. We keep going and going and going and going. So I'm afraid that if we stop doing what we're doing, I'm afraid to see what that looks like. I'm afraid to see what my body, what type of shape, what type of mental capacity I'll be in if I stop working out. And so because I'm afraid, I, I don't, I, I, I'm afraid of what will happen, I try to prevent it from happening. And that's what we're trying to do at UAB football. We understand we can't afford to have a losing season. Right. Because if we do, they'll shut us down again. Yes, I see. See, yeah. this is why we shut y'all down in the first place. Right. So the pressure's always on. Yeah, yeah. It's always time to be ready. So we just have to stay ready. And when we got a great visionary and we got a great coach, when we got a great coaching staff, when we got players who bought in, oh, man. That boat going to float itself. Well, man, thank you so much for taking time to sit down with me. The sun's going down. Yes, sir. And uh, I'll, I'll let you go, man. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. I can't sir. say thank you enough for talking to me, man. Um, I'll have all of his links down below in the uh, in the description of this video. You can find his social media, his website. Book him for speaking. The guy is amazing. Inspiredbyta.com. Hook me it. up. That's it, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you, Chris. When your body can't go anymore... Your mind can. I'm hurt. I'm tired. But I'm a champ. That's it for this week's episode, and this week's featured nonprofit organization is the Lakeshore Foundation. It's actually where we filmed this episode. The Lakeshore Foundation's goal is to improve the lives of people with physical disabilities around the world. What started in Birmingham in 1926 as a tuberculosis hospital, the Lakeshore Foundation now has an incredible campus with Olympic-sized pools and basketball courts, and they serve over 4,000 individuals annually with a global impact through physical activity, recreation, advocacy, policy, and research. To donate, volunteer, or to become a member, go to lakeshore.org. Next week's episode, I sit down with a yogi, Stephen Fletcher. He's a yoga instructor and the owner of the Yoga Circle in downtown Birmingham. That's coming up next week. And don't forget to like and subscribe and comment if you have feedback on this episode or suggestions for guests or suggestions for any kind of topic for future episodes as well. Thank you so much for watching. I will see you next Thursday. By the way, your uh, 
Your arms are bigger than my legs. <laughs>